from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, starting at verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, Not everyone was clean. <coughs> when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? he asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Right. Something you may not know about me is my journey from high school to where I am now wasn't quite like all of my friends. I was a bit of the oddball. All of my friends went off to university. They tried very hard at school. And for many different reasons, that wasn't the journey that was intended for me. I didn't go to university. I embarked on what my family refer to affectionately every time they see me as my 10-year gap year. Uh, where I like to think I you know, discovered the world and how it works. And most of that meant I worked jobs like in hospitality where I felt I had a bit of a... I kind of worked with. I found school very difficult. But there was something about being in hospitality that just really clicked with me. And I loved it. And I enjoyed it. And I like to think my time in hospitality actually showed me kind of how the world works realistically, unlike my friends who were off at university doing whatever it is they did. And there's something that was very apparent to me. Every single job I did was you start at the bottom and over time you slowly work your way up. And the main point to work your way up is to not do the same things you did when you're back at the bottom. I worked at a RSL club in Castle Hill 
which I am guessing is about three times the size of Dapto League's club. It was huge. It had just been recently renovated. They wanted to prove to the area that this is a very posh establishment to come to and be a part of. So I started there at the, at the age of 18, and the first role you get at this RSL club is GPU. I still have no idea exactly what that means, but I'm guessing, effectively, that it probably means general pick-up. My job was to walk around for eight hours straight, all the way around the RSL club, picking up glasses. You sort of the competition was how many glasses you could stack on one arm. I used to get three rows of glasses onto one arm and then unload them into the glass washer. That was part of your role. You'd also have to clear all the plates at the restaurant and put them into the kitchen. And also you'd have to go around to all the poker machines and outside and clean the ashtrays as well. It was a really low job. You started there, the whole point was you were working your way, you wanted to show all the managers and supervisors that you had what it takes to get bar training. Because the moment you got that letter in your pigeonhole in the staff room, you knew you had made it. All of a sudden, you knew you were ascending to the next level and all of this picking up glasses, cleaning plates and ashtrays, you were leaving that behind. It was such an amazing moment. And I also, if I was to toot my own, progressed even higher to cocktail bar training, where I left the, the normal bar training behind me as well. But I think it's what you know, I experienced in hospitality is very true of this world. We expect that the more we progress, the higher we get, then the more of the th things we don't want to do or are lower than us, we leave behind. Leading into our passage this morning, Jesus has been going around and he's been showing signs of who he is and what he is doing, so that those who see and hear would believe in him. Directly before this passage, he has been explaining the relationship between him and the Father. He has been showing people that he is the Son of God, the promised Messiah, the one that has been promised, so important to the Jewish people. He was the one that was to come and save them from their oppression. He was showing how high he was that actually he was God himself. But in this passage, he takes the way the world works, the way we progress through things and get better, the higher you get, the more you leave behind, and flips it on its head. And he leaves us and his followers with an incredibly important question. Do you understand what I have done for you? This question was so important for the disciples and equally important for us here today. Because this question and how you answer it actually shapes the way you view Jesus, your life as a Christian, and your faith itself. This question is so incredibly important. One of my other forays into hospitality, but this was much earlier, when I was 14, nine months, I started my career at McDonald's and I got all the way to crew trainer, not manager, not manager there, but managers, they were a different species. They got to sit in the office doing whatever it is they do, which seemed to be mostly racing each other on their wheelie chairs, but occasionally, every so often, things would get so busy that they'd just have to come out of their office and help us lowly people. You would think this would be a nice gesture, but it often wasn't. It was always met with that awful feeling like we've done something wrong. We've let the team down. The fact that they've come out to help us, it's not a good thing at all. 
And as we read through this passage, it seems that Peter, as Jesus does what he is about to do, is picking up that feeling as well. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. See, to wash someone's feet back then, it was like the lowest of things you could do. It was a dirty job. It was a low job. In fact, not even Jewish servants were expected to do this job. This was given to Gentile servants. So if you're a Jewish servant, this is too low for you. And if it is to be done, then it is a high act of love or honouring the person to do such a job. There's a story back in 90 AD about a rabbi who actually gets taken to court by his mother because his mother washes his feet. And he's so, he cannot comprehend this. He thinks, how could my mother do something so degrading? And her point is in court is actually, I'm trying to honour my son and the position that he finds himself in. This job was dirty and it was low and it was something that if you were doing, you wanted to leave behind you as quickly as possible. Then as we continue... He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Peter's got that feeling, like the manager's come out of the office and he is trying to show you that you are not good enough, that you've done something wrong, and now he's had to step in and do something. He's got that awful feeling because all of a sudden, the person who he has come to understand as the Messiah, the promised king of the Jews who was going to fix everything, is now doing something so low and so dirty. So he must have done something wrong as his follower. He feels that sense of awfulness in his heart. Verse 8. Now, said Peter, you, have, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Which is an interesting thing to say. Why does it matter whether Peter's feet are washed? Well, how does that mean that he has a relationship and he's a follower of Jesus? What is going on here? Throughout this demonstration of what Jesus is doing as he demonstrates something through the washing of feet. There are layers going on here. He is doing an act to teach his followers something while also pointing towards the fact that he is going to the cross. What he is demonstrating in the washing of the feet ultimately is shown in what he does and humble love service on the cross. That is why, unless you are washed by me, you cannot be with me. Peter then gets all sort of excited, as he often does. And he sort of thinks, well, you know, if, if you're going to wash my feet, if that's such a good thing, well, maybe you should just wash all of me. Wash my hands, wash my head. Just, just wash it all. If it's such a good thing, do it all. And I really empathise with Peter at this point. I'm kind of someone that discovers something and then I overdo it for a while, completely missing the point of what was good about it in the first place. 
you ask Lisa, I do this with coffee, I definitely do this with chili. You know, I don't I've come to learn I don't necessarily need to breathe fire in order to enjoy my meal. There are subtle flavors there, dancing underneath the fire. I don't need to drink so much coffee where it feels like time slows down around me. A couple will do. That's okay as well. See, Peter gets so excited about this and completely misses the point. Verse 10. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. That little not every one of you, really key to this passage. There's something that John is really trying to point out to us, and it'll become clear later on. But at the end of the day, Peter and the disciples, they're confused by this. The fact that Jesus would actually wash their feet, their feet does not fit their categories of who they think he is. But why are the disciples so confused? Well, it's all to do with the question he's about to ask. Why do we also get so confused about who Jesus is? It too is about the question he is going to ask. I don't know about you, but I'm sure everybody here hates the feeling of being taken for granted. You know, you've had someone over to your house, you've pulled out all the stops, you've made the house as clean as possible, you've made meals that's absolutely perfect, everything just out of love and that you've done for them just to make this moment while you're with them as perfect as possible. That's one example. I'm sure there are many examples of things that you do for people where you pour your heart and your soul into it and then kind of get shocked when they leave and it's like they didn't even notice at all what you had done. We all hate that feeling of that thank you that just should have been there but just wasn't there. They do not understand what you have done for them. Jesus had been leading his followers. He had been teaching them. He had been growing them as followers. And he was on a specific mission, which was to the cross. And at this point, he does the strangest thing and stops and washes the feet. And obviously, they just don't understand. They don't get it. They don't get what he is doing. And then comes the big question. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. Just like the disciples, their answer to this question shapes everything we understand about Jesus, our faith, how we act, our motives, the ideas that we have. Our understanding of this answer, of what Jesus has done to us, molds us. It shapes our understanding of why we gather, why we pray, why we read the Bible, why we serve, and why we even share our faith with others. Your answer to, do you understand what I have done to you, is the scaffolding in which your faith grows. The question under this is, who is Jesus? And that is what the disciples are wrestling with. And too often we wrestle with this as well. But Jesus points, puts his finger on exactly where the issue is. He highlights the fact that they know him and call him Lord and teacher. But don't, don't at all understand why he would wash their feet. They get the promised Messiah part, but they only get half of the picture. 
They get the bit, the bit that's promised in Psalm 2 about a promised king who would sit on the throne, who would break the shackles of their oppression and would make mockery of all the other leaders around them. But they don't get the same promised Messiah who in Psalm 22 would speak the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Peter just can't hold this together in his mind. He can't hold these two concepts together. If you're the Messiah, then why on earth would you wash my feet? If you're washing my feet, well, I guess you should just wash all of me. But Jesus is both the warrior king who came to save his people as well as the suffering servant who came to wash his people clean. Do you understand what Jesus has done for you? What is your answer to this incredibly important question? I feel this is a question that needs to be asked because it shapes your understanding of who he is, it informs what you do, and it is the scaffolding of your own faith. For some of you, I'm sure there are many answers out there this morning. For some of you, yeah, I do understand. I understand what he has done, and he and his community are here to support me and my needs. Or yes, I do understand, and he's given me this beautiful example of how to live my life, and I will live my life just like his, him so I can be a good person just like he was. Or yes, I do understand, and now I'm free, and I can live my life exactly how I want to live my life. Yes, but not completely. I get a bit, but not all of it. Or perhaps you're even sitting here saying, no, I don't understand. But I do like being a part of his community. No, I don't understand, but being part of a church, well, it's just really helpful. I don't understand, even though I was raised in a Christian family. I think the best answer is, yes, I do understand, and I do not deserve it at all. And I want to live my life in light of what he has done for me. Because in this answer are so many layers of meaning. There's so many layers of meaning in just the washing of the feet. Jesus washes feet in order to point towards the ultimate washing that he'll do on the cross. Do you understand what I have done for you? The answer should be yes. And despite my rebellion, you saved me by laying down your life for mine, for taking the punishment that I deserve, by clothing me in your righteousness. Yes, and you gave me a new life and a pattern to live by, a pattern that is shaped by humility and love. Yes, and I do not deserve it. I cannot achieve it. So I must trust in you, Lord, my Savior. Thank you for your forgiveness, and may I live for you. What is your answer to this question? Do you understand? Does the grace that Jesus has shown you motivate you to live for him? Or are you just like the disciples, confused about how to put together the whole picture of Jesus? Because your answer to this question is incredibly important. It is a matter of innocence and guilt. Freedom or slavery, life and death, salvation or condemnation. As Paul writes, 
in Romans, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. See, what the disciples get right when they call him Lord and teacher, they get that part right. Their categories fit that. But they don't seem to have the categories for the humility that he is showing. And therefore, the washing of the feet just do not make any sense. And of course, they don't make sense to them. They have been raised in a culture that shows humility is the worst possible thing you could show or be. To be humble is to lower yourself down to the ground. To be someone that had some status and make yourself so low, it is a sign of weakness. It is begging to be destroyed. Edwin Judge, who is a professor of history at Macquarie University, says, humility in Greek and Roman ethics would be a degrading thing. To put yourself down to a level that you were not born to or that your standing in life did not require you to be in was disgraceful and debasing. There was no virtue in it at all. To be humble is to lower yourself so low. The word literally means to be lowered to the ground. And when Jesus washes the feet, he is demonstrating his humility in it. He is lowering himself to the task of something that even a Jewish servant would not be required to do. And he does this even for those who are there that don't deserve it. He does this sign of humility and love and honouring to someone who will not honour him. John is trying to make very clear that there's a certain somebody there at at the feet washing, someone that clearly does not deserve it. This particular person, Judas, who in verse verse 2 is mentioned at the meal, and we already know from what John is writing, he's already been prompted by the devil. And in the following passages, Jesus just calls him out for what he is about to do. Jesus knows exactly what he is going to do. He knows that Judas is going to betray him. He knows that he has sold him out, but even still, Jesus washes his feet too. Jesus extends his love and this action to even Judas, someone who turned against him and someone who betrays him. The washing of the feet is a lowering of self. It is an example of extending love even to those who would betray us. Just as Jesus on the cross lowers himself, extends love to all of us who have betrayed him. Jesus could have put an end to Judas right there and there. He had the power. He could have done all sorts of things to change the situation. But instead, he washes his feet. Jesus, the Son of God, lowered himself to do an act of love. So it seems only logical that his followers should do the same. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. When I think back to my time at the RSL and the way I sort of saw how the world worked, you start somewhere and you work your way up and you leave whatever it is 
that you once were doing behind you. It just felt impossible. I remember thinking so highly of myself that I, when I was asked occasionally to go and do things, I think, oh, really? I, could, I, a cocktail bar trainer, could not possibly do such a thing. Because we, sit, we live in a world where it exactly is the fact that as we progress, as we grow, as we get higher, we want to leave those things behind. We can't possibly consider doing what is beneath us. But just because that's the way the world sees it doesn't mean that's how Jesus sees it. Jesus sees it completely differently. Verse 16. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If the Son of God can lower himself to act in love, who isn't, you who isn't greater than him have no excuse not to do the same thing. You as his followers should also lower yourselves to show love and humility to others. That is unless you think yourself greater than your saviour. But the biggest problem we have in our culture is that we actually don't notice most of the time when we do it. There are many different categories of where we just do things and we think this is how the world works and we don't actually notice that the culture we've grown into us actually causes us to think of ourselves as higher and more important or needing more than others. Two particular key ones, I think, for us at the moment is the status of victim and also the status of being so busy and uh, having so much responsibility. These days, to be a victim is to be higher than people. You, something has happened to you, been oppressed in some way, or something bad has happened, or something is affecting you, so therefore you have the time to think inwardly of yourself. But Jesus is, is saying that we should always be looking outside of ourselves to others. This is exactly the same thing when it comes to being the busy, responsible person. That I'm just too busy, I've got too much on my plate, I can't possibly do these things. The people that have more time, they, could, they should be the ones that do it. The people have more disposable time. They can do the things around church that I cannot do because I'm just too busy. Now, there are good reasons to think this way, but unfortunately, we don't notice that in doing so, that sometimes we put ourselves above other people. When we look for our own support, we forget the fact that we should also be supporting others. When we think that we are too busy to do things, we forget the fact that we should also do things for others. We expect people who we think aren't as in the same situation as us to do more than we do. But this is in direct contradiction to who Jesus is. Jesus is the biggest victim. The divine son of God who lived a perfect life was then beaten, mocked and scorned and crucified. Yet he still served. He served with his ministry and his death and resurrection. Jesus, the most important, the one with most responsibility, the one tasked with bringing redemption and restoration to all of creation, still took time to stop for people along the way to the cross to make sure they understood who he was, so he could show the signs of who he was, so that they would believe. Jesus demonstrated that the world was completely orientated in, the diff in another direction. And he took the time to show people so that they too could have faith and be saved by him and his actions. After all, the Son of God came to serve, not to be served. As a Christian, someone who follows Jesus, it is an act of lowering yourself within our society. It is a fact of doing loves of, acts of loves to others. So when it comes to church, we should be other person focus. 
Can you imagine what church would be like if we all came here on a Sunday and through the week and thought, what can I do for others? How can I support others? How can I help others? There would not be many needs needing to be met. Can you imagine it? And after all, if our Saviour can humble himself to do acts of love and to think of others despite his high position then we too should be able to do sacrificial acts of love. We too should be able to support others and we too should humble ourselves. You see, the question, do you know what I have done for you, is so vitally important. Your understanding of that structures the whole way you see Jesus and your whole faith. Jesus who laid down his life for you as an act of sacrifice and love and even though None of us ever deserved it. That is who we serve, and that is how we should serve each other. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for sending him so that he could show us the most amazing act of humility and love. Help us to have that reality in our heart. Help us to understand what he has done for us so we too can serve each other here at church, so that we too are motivated by what he has done for us. Help us to think through that this week and help us to be transformed by it. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.